So today is the um, third in our series of talks on Proverbs, as Chris has said. We're thinking about speech, thinking about the words we use, wise words, what we say, how we communicate with one another. Book of Proverbs has got a lot to say about speech, about what we say. No real surprise there. It's actually the, the single biggest topic in the whole book. But how much of it do we really need? How much of it do we need? Um, how much does it add to the wisdom that's already out there in our culture, the wisdom that's already out there that we can find in the English language about speech, about the way we speak? There are plenty of phrases, plenty of idioms, common sayings about words and about language. Take, for example, probably the most famous one, that we say actions speak louder than words. Yeah? we used that before. We've heard it. Um, it's possibly possible that someone's already said this. Here today, someone here, you've possibly said that to a child. If some of the parents of the teenagers were here, they may have said that to them when the child has promised to do something like clean their bedroom. The other obvious one... The other obvious um, saying about words is sticks and stones. You know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Some of us might remember teachers saying that to us, some, you know, say that to the, to, to the bully in the playground. Thankfully, we don't do that anymore. Thankfully, we don't do that anymore because we know that words hurt. We know that words can be vicious, whether they're said out loud, whether they're read in a message on your phone, on social media. And, you know, the sticks and stones don't break, may break my bones, words will never hurt me. Doesn't really, doesn't really cut it. And even that proverb, action speaks louder than words, it's true, but only to an extent. Loveless actions, actions done without love, can undo a lot of the good. A delicious meal served up, you know, in cold silence, you know, is, is something else. It doesn't feel, it doesn't taste as delicious, delicious as it should be. Words express what's going on inside of us. They communicate our emotions. Words communicate our personality. And they are powerful. I was speaking to a, a, a young person um, earlier this week, and he'd just done um, a project, and it was something for his GCSEs, and he was really excited. He was really ecstatic because he'd got a good grade for what he did. He had to do a little talk, and he got a good grade for it. And what stood out for his teacher was the fact that he was persuasive. What stood out was the fact that he was persuasive. We all want that. We want our words to carry meaning, for them to be persuasive. I want that when I'm preaching. I want to be able to persuade you of something. We want our words to, to matter, to have influence. So what does Proverbs have to say about that, about our language and our speech? How can we use our words wisely? And I've got a number of 
points here. They're on, they're on the handout. I've left some blanks there just to help you engage with it with your listening. Fill it in if you want to or not. Use it as you find helpful. First thing to say then. Wisdom starts, it's about starting with our, with our ears. It's about what we hear, not simply what we say. It's about what we're doing with our ears, not just what we're saying with our mouth. Put it another way, you need to have big ears if you want to have a big mouth. We said this a couple of weeks ago. What marks out a wise person is their willingness and their desire to listen to wisdom. Proverbs 1 verse 5. Let the wise listen and add to their learning. And, you know, that's in the first... And then in the first few books, of the first few verses of the whole book, in fact, the first kind of whole nine chapters of this book is like this extended introduction about wisdom. Elsewhere in the, the book of Proverbs, you get these kind of like rapid fire kind of, um, kind of scattergun, um, rad, slightly random sayings. But in the first nine chapters, it's much more kind of considered around one topic. And that topic is about wisdom, about getting wisdom. And the big idea is that you've got to listen. You learn by listening. And that's how, as you listen, that's how it changes you. How character is formed within you. The frame of the book of Proverbs is, is instruction. The book starts with parental instruction. They're here. You know, listen, my son, to your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. They are a garland to grace your head and a chain to adorn your neck. And then there's the voice of wisdom herself, words that um, Kirsten just read for us, so I won't um, repeat them now. And the message is clear <coughs> find wisdom. And then listen closely to it. Lean your ear in. Absorb it. Let it kind of come in through your ears. Let it penetrate into your head, into your heart, and your mind. And then it will overflow out of your mouth. Jesus said it's from the overflow of the heart that the mouth speaks. And ultimate wisdom Ultimate wisdom, as we heard from the second reading from the gospel, is a life built on the words of Jesus. So get Jesus' words into your heart. Secondly then, persuasive talk can be poisonous. Persuasive talk can be poisonous. We live in a noisy world. We live in a noisy world. Lots of people speaking to us, lots of message that are being thrown out at us. And a lot of that can drown out what is good and what is wise. Carries on, and this is also from the first chapter of Proverbs. <clears throat> My son, if sinful men entice you, do not give in to them. If they say, come along with us, let's lie in wait for innocent blood, let's ambush some harmless soul. And it kind of carries on there. And the thing is, it's a call to violence. It's a call to violence. And we would think, well, I'm just going to reject that. There's no way I would even listen to that. But the point is that it's meant to be enticing. It's a voice 
that, that attempts to deceive, that lures, that's there, that's going to feel persuasive in some way. It's not just a parental warning against um, corrupt friends and violence. Start of chapter 5 takes things in a different direction. Continues, my son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight so that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is as bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. Can you see its words that lure away? From the lips drip honey. It's the speech which is smoother than oil. There's something similar at the start of of chapter, in, in chapter 7, verse 21. It talks about, with persuasive words, she led him astray, seduced with smooth talk. Now, in this instance, it's talking about an adulterous woman, but it could equally be an, an, an adulterous man. It's the same warning to young men and to young women. But can you see, it's not, it's not the physical beauty. It's not the physical attraction that draws attention, it's words, smooth words, seductive words, enticing words, persuasive words, plausible words even. See, the call away from wisdom, the call to embrace evil will never be dressed up as a call to embrace evil because it might sound beautiful might sound attractive, but there is a way that appears to be right, but in the end, it leads to death. Some of you might want to think if you've ever had experience of that and how you can learn from that yourself. But let's unpack that a little bit further. The next one, the next point then. When we think about our words... Don't underestimate how powerful they are. Don't underestimate the real damage that can be done with our words. Don't downplay the power of them. See, there are words that, are in, that entice and lead to violence, but then there are also violent words, a language and a speech that causes damage, words that can ruin a community. With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbors, but through knowledge, the righteous escape. And then from the same chapter, through the blessing of the upright, a city is exalted, but by the mouth of the wicked, it is destroyed. Now, it might feel like an exaggeration for us to say that a whole city can be destroyed um, through our words. You know, this is not Britain in World War II. There are no posters out there or, you know, outside or inside the church saying loose talk costs lives. Can it happen in here? I mean, you might think that church is generally a happy place. You generally might think that church is a peaceful place, a place where you can come to a service 
and leave encouraged, felt built up, where you leave in a better, in a better emotional state than you did when you first arrived. Someone pretty much said that to me earlier on um, this week. But I don't know every conversation that takes place. I don't know every conversation that takes place between friends at church, whether here or outside on the way out. I don't know if everything that's being said is godly or gracious, or if it's leaning into gossip. It's not an encouraging thing to talk about, is it? Gossip. But the Bible is real about the harm that gossip does. Whoever conceals hatred with lying lips and spreads slander is a fool. A perverse person stirs up conflict and gossip separates close friends. So when the Bible's talking about gossip, it's not simply talking about, um, as it were, like two people over here talking about that person over there who's a stranger, someone that they've never met before. It's talking about friends. It's talking about close friends spreading slander, sharing their concealed hatred about another close friend. See, proverb isn't just realistic about the existence of gossip in a community, but Proverbs is also realistic about why it flourishes and thrives. Proverbs 18, verse 8. The words of a gossip are like choice morsels. They go down to the inmost parts. Gossip can taste Good to partake in some juicy gossip, to share news about someone. It's enjoyable to hear. It's good to share it. Sometimes it's helpful to look at how other Bible translations um, kind of describe a particular verse. From time to time, I like to look at the message um, um, to see what the message says, how that kind of describes a a particular proverb. But in this case, it said something like, the words of a gossip are like cheap candy, cheap sweets. And then it says something like, who wants that junk inside you? Now, it sounds catchy. sounds catchy. But I think it misses the point. It misses the point because what it's saying about about gossip is that... is that more, it's more like it's choice morsels, that it's delicious. That's why you want it. That's why you want it. That's why it sinks deep in. But if you want another picture of, of gossip and the consequences of gossip, think of, I don't know, a delicious buffet. Delicious buffet. You enter in. It's all sorts of delicious foods, little bits of things here and there, different types of food and delicacies, looks great, smells amazing, you taste it, and it's incredible. Mouth is kind of, ooh, go in, and you have this, and then you have this, and then you have this, and you have that. One problem. All of that food has been prepared in a filthy kitchen. Vermin infested, flies everywhere, you know, 
droppings on the floor. What's going to happen to you that evening? What's going to happen to you the next day? I'll leave that to your imagination. Gossip is like that. Looks good, smells amazing, tastes delicious on the lips, go down, eat more, more, more. But the after effects, the after effects. I don't want to ruin your Sunday dinner, but if it stops us, if that image can maybe stop us from partaking in gossip, then I think I've done my job. I think it's worth it. Now, so far, all of this has been negative. You know, beware, watch out, don't gossip. And so, what's the solution? What's the solution? <laughs> like the primary school teachers used to do. Is it just to say silent? Better not say anything. Better not say anything. You know, sometimes it feels like that's the right solution. Sometimes it feel, feels like the right thing to do. I'm just not going to say anything. Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongue. We feel that pull sometimes then towards silence. Don't say anything. If you don't like conflict, you, you don't want to get into an argument. It's easier to say nothing. It's easier to say don't get involved. Don't get involved. It's not your place to speak out. Don't say anything. You're only going to make matters worse. People have said that to me. Well-meaning, well-intentioned people have said that to me. Mark, don't get involved in that. Just, you know, don't say anything. And the thing is, sometimes that's right, but sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's the wrong thing to keep silent. When it comes to matters of justice, we do need to speak up. We do need to talk out. We're going to think later in a few weeks' time about what Proverbs has to say about social justice. But here's probably the most famous verse on speech or words that we found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18, 21. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. The tongue has the power of life and death. Now, I think we've already established, established the damage and the harm that comes from the tongue. We've established that the tongue has the power of death, but it also has the power of life. Are we committed to using that power? Outside in the church, outside of the church, if you come in through the bookshop entrance, you'll see that there, on the wall, there's a defibrillator. There's a defibrillator. Now, thankfully, I've not been in the situation where I've needed to use it. I don't think anyone here has been in that situation where we've needed to use that defibrillator there. But imagine someone's suffering. Someone's had a cardiac arrest. Their heart is, you know, there's no response. Something needs to happen. Their heart needs to be restarted. You don't want a group of people around that person politely saying, ooh, this device is really dangerous. It's really powerful. Or I don't think I should use it because you don't know what harm it could do. Now, you want them to crack on and do it, to do something, to use it. And before someone comes up to me, yes, I do know that defibrillators come with instructions and they are generally quite simple and good to use and people can use them safely. But you get the point of what I'm trying to say. 
Our mouths, our, our words are powerful. They have the power of death, but they have the power of life too. Yes, some of us may need to be more restrained in terms of what we say, but maybe some of us actually need to speak more. Some of us might feel kind of captured by a kind of cynicism that we find in the world around us, a a cynicism that says, well, what's the point of saying anything? What difference can my words make? Or people who say things like, oh, there are too many people talking, not enough listening. Yes, that's true to a point. <coughs> Other times, maybe we're afraid of, of speaking because we're ruled more by fear rather than faith. There might be a fear of the responsibility to speak or there might be a fear of someone else that's why we don't talk to them or we don't say and challenge what needs to be challenged see more of us can do more i think more of us can should be speaking words of life because we can speak words of life we can speak words of hope of healing to one another proverbs chapter 12 has a huge amount to say The words of the reckless pierce like swords, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue lasts only a moment. Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. The words of the wicked lie in wait for blood, but the speech of the upright rescues them. Have you ever thought that your words could rescue someone? That your words could rescue someone from death? And before you think, oh, really? If you're trusting in Jesus, isn't that what happened to you? Isn't that what happened when someone first shared the good news of Jesus Christ with you? The good news that Jesus, who had perfect speech, who never said words that would crush someone but rather words that, that spoke life. The good news of Jesus that we can repent, we can turn away from sin and be saved. Isn't that good words that were shared with us? The mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, but the mouth of the wicked conceals violence. This isn't just talking about evangelism. This isn't just talking about conversations that happen out there with people who don't know Jesus. This is talking about what happens in here. That our mouths can be fountains of life that can bring healing in a place when Christians are gathered together. When we gather together, when, you know, at the end of the service or when we're coming in, you know, what do we talk about? You see, even with people that we know pretty well, we can just keep our conversation on a, on a kind of level, just on a very safe kind of banality. It's not harmful. It's not harmful words that we're saying to each other, but couldn't it be more? Has something good happened? We'll share it with one another and then give thanks to God together. If something good's happened after we've been through a hard time, we can remind each other that it was God who's brought us through that. We can encourage each other. We can affirm one another. 
If it's been a hard week, share that too. And if you hear somebody sharing something that's been tough and difficult, then you can pray with them. Sometimes we will say, well, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you later, but there are times when we can just do it there and then, just a small word. Maybe share something that we've read in the Bible together that, can, that lifts each other up, that points us to the source of true healing and hope. Something we can do at home too. Parents, how do your children hear you speaking to them? Not just what you say, but the tone of what it's said, what comes across. Parents, what do your kids hear you talking about at home with other adults? Do they ever overhear you talking about Jesus? Do your kids overhear you talking about the love of God? What a wonderful thing that would be and what an impact that has upon them. On the back of the handout, I've, um, I've left some space for you to think about that. You know, how you can speak truth and wisdom to someone today or how, you can, how your words can bring healing to someone later on this week. And you can think about how that can happen at church or at home or in the workplace or with your friends. Can I just suggest that we try and be intentional about that? It's not going to happen automatically. Maybe we need to kind of rewire our brains to be intentional and think, how, on the way into church or on the way back from church, how can I use my words to share what is good and true and loving? As I close now, just reminded of a verse from 1 Peter 1, verse 23, from um, verse 23. Sorry, it's not in the handout kind of only came to me earlier today. And let me read it for us. For you have been born again, not of the perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and they're glorious like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Brothers and sisters, this is the word that was preached to you, that made you alive, that made you born again. And this is the word which continually revives us. How wonderful it would be for us, a church, that continues to speak that word to one another, to encourage us, to build us up, to point us back to our great and glorious Savior. Let's bow our heads and I'll pray. Lord Jesus, we pray that we would be so filled with your Holy Spirit, that we would be so filled with your good news, that this would just overflow out of our hearts, that it would flow out from our hearts through our mouth, and it would flow out in every area of our life to people we know in church, to our friends, our neighbors, our colleagues to our families. We pray that we wouldn't be people who just want to avoid what is wrong, that we would just, just wouldn't want to avoid sin and avoid unhealthy talk, but that we would be people who'd want to chase what is good and holy and desire that our words would be used for healing and life and joy 
in your name. Amen.